Welcome to episode 15 of the COO's Corner podcast, the podcast exploring success factors in the world of business operations, leadership, and personal growth. And my name is Tamar Nelson, your host and a specialist in the area of operational resilience. And today we are exploring the topic, curiosity and leadership in the digital economy, a match made in heaven. Have you both seriously big goals and brand new teams that you want to gel together? Is your team in the rut of mediocrity? Need to develop or inculturate a team you just inherited post-reorganization? Are you a newly promoted and now leadership entails a whole new terrain of expectation, impact, or even politics at a critical career inflection point in which a promotion seems close but yet out of reach and vague in terms of feedback or maybe you're a female talent ready yet challenged to own your seat at the table there are things that curiosity can achieve or unleash within us and our guest today is the person put you know poised to do that (laughs) She is none other than Dr. Alison Horstmeyer. Dr. Horstmeyer is a globally recognized executive consultant and coach, a humanistic researcher. Alison has a unique distinction of being the inaugural research fellow appointed to the Innovative Education Center, the number one communications university in the U.S., USC Annenberg Center for Third Space Thinking. Alice is considered one of the pioneering practitioners in workplace curiosity. You can find her work in various peer-reviewed journals and business publications, including Forbes, Chief Learning Officer, the CEO World Magazine, and in the Harvard Business Review Press, the Journal of Organizational Change Management, the Journal of Humanistic Psychology, among others. She regularly works with clients faced with multifaceted leadership, healthy team dynamics, and continuous innovation. Examples of organizations she has worked with include Hulu, Google, Marvel Technology, Vanguard, and Stanford Healthcare. Just wow. And this is just a, you know, very humble synopsis, let me tell you. (laughs) You know, Dr. Allison is deep. Welcome to the podcast, Dr. Alison. Oh, oh, thank you so much. Great to be here with you. I, I'm really excited to talk with you today. I love uh, the global reach that you have. It's always great to connect with uh, pioneering spirits in other parts of the world. So thank you. Yes, it's, it's, it's our pleasure. From Jamaica to Los Angeles. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. I love it. I love it. And I want to thank my fellow podcaster and friend, you know, somebody who I look up to, Fred Diamond, for this introduction, which came out of me sharing one of my favorite Einstein quotes on LinkedIn, which states that the important thing is not to stop questioning, never to lose holy curiosity. And it generated so much dialogue. And out of that came the introduction to Dr. Horstmeyer. Um, you know, I didn't even know we had such an awesome individual doing PhD work in this area. But before we dive in, Dr. Allison, what led you down this path of 
diving into curiosity at the PhD level? <laughs> uh, yeah, so, um, you know, I had, I would say Career.10 was building businesses at the intersection of tech and media. Uh, and I did a lot of work with uh, international sales teams and engineering uh, teams, cross-functional teams. And I noticed there was a lot of anxiety and complacency. I think it's probably uh, no, certainly ramped up right during COVID. And as we returned to the office and just in our personal lives, just navigating so much change continuously. So um, I wanted to kind of be in the arena of integrative health sciences and do it from a humanistic angle. And I started looking at anxiety and really kind of the mind-body connection and uh, behavioral science and social science around that. And that led me in a very nonlinear way as research does to curiosity, because I had naively hypothesized, you know, could you be anxious and curious at the same time? And I say it was naive because the answer is yes. But, you know, I I wanted to see if, if that was true or how it was how it was integrated. And, um, you know, there's certainly eminent curiosity researchers that have come before me and continue to do phenomenal research. And they really influenced and opened up my mind into understanding just how dynamic and complex curiosity is. And that in terms of workplace, it only has just started to really be a topic of uh, empirical uh, you know, empirical research, maybe in the last, you know, 20, 15 years, where we're really recognizing that curiosity in the workplace is this meta skill, and it's a doorway uh, to a number of other skills that we need, not just connected to innovation and creativity. I think there's a intuitive uh, path we we tend to go to when we think about curiosity and creativity, but also in terms of our interpersonal dynamics and also our own self-awareness. And that was the part that really fascinated me in terms of how could we transcend our own narratives? How could we manage our anxiety that is indelibly tied to curiosity, but also how can we use our curiosity in a way that really supports productive interpersonal relationships and collaboration and productivity. Um, and, and so that's, that's where I, I tend to focus. Wow. And that's deep <laughs> because what you just mentioned covers a wide gamut of areas on the individual team level and the organizational level. So we know that's no easy feet and you you mentioned a number of things you know in just that introduction that we we will get back to and I have some questions on okay but before we 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 go into that I think it's important for us to start off the discussion with um you know what is curiosity is it a process is it a a a faculty that we all possess and don't access uh, it is innate in all of us from the positive psychology literature. It is one of our core uh, strengths. Um, and it's it's one of the strengths that is really tied to um, well-being. And 
from other from other lenses curiosity um has been viewed very much as a trait, something that, you know, we have in each one of us, and it does take intentionality and, and, and being deliberate in how you cultivate that. Uh, My research focused more on state curiosity, because the more states of curiosity, the more likely you're going to have a more defined trait of curiosity. And then as the, as the literature has evolved, we're actually seeing that maybe maybe they're psychologically equivalent and we don't really have to separate them. Uh, I do believe that there is a process to curiosity, what I saw in my research and, you know, and, and we haven't really defined it. Is, is, a, met, is it a metacognition? Um, is it a, an emotional, motivational, um, psychological mm-hmm. state? I kind of am more in that camp where, because I have that humanistic lens that it is both motivational, it's cognitive and it's emotional, um, given because it is multifaceted. There are dimensions to curiosity about not knowing which can trigger anxiety or some tension. There's an aspect of curiosity that has to do with exploring, like you're actively uh, seeking information or experience or something in the form of new data either to close your knowledge gap, to get back to certainty, or that because you love pioneering and and you uh, want to kind of swim in that sea of possibilities, there's different ways you go about your exploration. And there's a level of openness. So uh, you have to be, there's a level of, of being open, not only to your discoveries in your exploration but also you know the feedback that you're receiving from those and then the dimension that's connected really more prominently to that anxiety element that I was trying to unpack which really has been um, documented by Dr. Todd Cashtan as stress tolerance so it is mm-hmm. the ways in which we manage the doubt uh, uncertainty or confusion throughout our exploration and it's it's also a double loop learning in the way that the only way you are going to get new reference points to expand uh your thought action repertoire so your ability to manage that that risk or that doubt or confusion that comes up with exploring new and unfamiliar is by going into the new and unfamiliar. Like you, you have to have those experiences or find that information um, because then the next time you're going to probably feel more uh, confident in, in handling something that's, that's ambiguous. Wow. So in my work with clients and execs and teams, we work on how do we, how can we normalize experimentation and uh and it really comes down to what is what are what's the team purpose what are the team's norms like the rules of engagement that we've all agreed to fundamentally that supports a container of psychological safety and that's why it's so wonderful to see uh really the momentum behind psychological safety that timothy clark and amy edmondson have really uh, brought forward through so much of their research Lovely. and that you know companies across the world are trying to figure out what that looks like and how to support it 
And I can tell you that, you know, it definitely matters what we're modeling, what kind of values we have, what kind of uh, behaviors we are tolerating, because norms can be explicitly or implicitly stated or, or adopted. Mm-hmm. And so if you're letting go of the ones that you haven't explicitly all agreed to and that you know are some way compromising psych safety, you're not going to get curiosity. So um, I'll pause that because I said a lot. <laughs> Well, you know, we, we could listen to you all all day. I mean, that is that was so rich, um, Dr. Allison. And you know, you you know, when you, when I thought of curiosity, or when you think of curiosity, you just think, okay, well, um, you know, it's one thing, but what we are hearing, it's it's not it's it's a complex, it's a compound. It has many different facets. It goes deep and wide, based on what you just said. <clears throat> and one of the quote that I love. Another quote on curiosity is by Bryant H. McGill, which says, curiosity is one of the greatest secrets to happiness. And when I'm in my curious zone, you know, I'm wildly calm and very creative. However, we have heard that, and I'm sure you hear hear this all the time, that curiosity kills the cat. And what I'm hearing from you too is that there is a positive and a negative side to the whole matter of curiosity. Can it be dangerous? Yeah, you can certainly overuse any meta skill. And um, Dr. Todd Cashin has also done work on the dark side of curiosity, which may lead to um, addiction and, and other things. In, in terms of the workplace, the, why there's a, or I believe why there's some in resistance to really fostering curiosity is because um, People are worried that people are just going to go explore with no end mm-hmm. in sight or with no um, specific objective oh, or, or purpose to that exploration. Oh, and I would say, yes, that that that's fair. Um, and there are ways to provide guardrails for mm-hmm. the exploration Um I love the concept of MVP, minimum viable product, because it speaks to that guardrail. Like, let's explore, experiment, and iterate to a certain end, um, which can foster innovation, right? Innovation is really Mm -hmm. something novel and useful. Um, The other type of exploration where you can just explore with with really for the sake of exploring like your creativity is we do have to support, you know, having an opportunity for folks to have some types of creative outlet. And we saw this um, or or early on, you know, Pixar talked about how they encouraged their employees to Mm -hmm. take um, completely different courses, not related to their role because they saw Mm -hmm. the benefits of that ability to bring disparate thinkings to go really divergent before coming convergent. Mm-hmm. And you do need different inputs to stretch you. Novartis um, is very public about their journey about transforming their culture to curiosity and they uh, really encourage their employees to have a minimum of 100 learning hours. And they're not prescriptive that those learning hours have to be connected to that person's specific role because they understand and have seen the benefits 
of having people go outside of, you know, their familiar areas and, and can see and be able to access different parts of themselves and then bringing that forward. So, um, I guess fundamentally, you know, it's really how, what kind of guardrails you put around it is going to indicate what kind of outcome you're going to get. So, you know, when we think about it in the, in the corporate sense, there's, there is opportunities to do that in a way that still supports curiosity. And the research shows that if we do that, we actually, you know, have a higher chance of less errors in the long run. We are better equipped to problem solve in the long run. Um, And so, there is a benefit to providing that kind of environment um, because ultimately it does provide quote efficiencies um, and in, in the ways that we, we want to see today. So that's how I I think we can support it. Awesome. So I I hear you speak about guardrails and I know a lot of companies too, they don't want to have a a bad company image and don't want to make blunders or mistakes. They may be costly, but I like how you frame it that you you can package it. But um, does curiosity stop at any point? Does it really have any limitations? Does it have, I think you, you put the limitations on it yourself or your environment does or uh your self-concept how you view yourself uh, certain values that you have may may dampen curiosity so for example you know I've had clients who are very very high with the value of security and And that means for them, they tend to get ramped up on the anxiety front because things are feeling feeling, um, like that value is threatened, whether it's being in front of the C-suite presenting. It could be something like that where, you know, that anxiety ramps up because they're they're feeling like that value is threatened. They also have other lovely values. You know, I had a client who also had empathy as as his core value. And so then we have to talk about like, how can we lean into some of your other values that you have that can help buffer you and to actually encourage you to try something new and to try a, a different way of, um, viewing what your presentation is. It's really a way to be educating or to have a platform to educate and help people understand what's happening and to foster transparency and that you're really in service of the collective. So, you know, there's, there's tools like reframing that can really help. Mm -hmm. Um, And they, and I think also we are not great uh, from a corporate standpoint, always supporting someone who challenges the status quo mm-hmm. or who, who is, um, you know, rocking the, the boat uh, because that that is not something that's always welcomed. And so that will actually cause people to disengage, be be de-energized and just stay in their lane and 
do what's what's needed and will not stretch themselves. We actually want people stretching because then they get into flow states, which really helps uh, with uh, productivity and other things. Right. So, you know, you mentioned um, stretching and increasing efficiency and curiosity. What what else can curiosity ignite in people that want to uplevel themselves and their teams, especially in these times that we, we operate? Uh, well, I think curiosity gives us an opportunity. It's, it's a doorway to empathy. So we're, we're all having really hard times now. And we don't know everybody's story or what people are really coming to work with. And so yeah, I think it provides us an opportunity to really try to connect and stand in that person's shoes and, you know, seek their perspective. It doesn't mean you have to agree with it. It certainly won't be helpful to understand where they're coming from so you can help bring them along to what uh, is needed in terms of their role or for what we're trying to achieve from a from a gold standpoint. It provides us a conduit to ourselves. Like, let's get curious. Like, why am I showing up the way I am? Like, it, I always call curiosity is really a potent pause. Like, if we can slow down, reflect, and get and get and have wonder about ourselves and why we're showing up in certain ways and what we want to do about it and be more intentional, then that's an opportunity for us to develop and have kind of, and and align our intention with the impact that we want to make. Mm. So I, I think it's, it's, it's something that can happen in increments. I'm not asking you to, you know, leave your job, explore the world. <laughs> I'm saying, you know, what's, what's one small thing that you can try? What's a, what's a mantra that you want to write? So you read that before you go every time before you go into a meeting and to see how you engage with somebody differently, knowing that that was your touchstone going in. Um, is it that you want to journal in the morning before you get online? Uh, you know, it's, it's just, what do you want to try that intuitively you probably know you should, or, or that you need to do, I, I should remove the word should, nobody should do anything. Um, at the same time, you know, explore, experiment, let go of perfection. Perfection is so limiting. We don't want to be perfect, we we want to be works in progress continuously, right? Absolutely. So to feed our for feed our growth. I, I love those tips you just shared. You know, particularly, you know, the mantra. And this is something simple. It doesn't cost money. You don't need a whole ton of money in the bank to get curious. Based on what you're saying here, right? It's as simple as writing down a few words and. Um, you know, repeating them to yourselves to make a difference in how you show up as a leader um, every day. I love that. So, so thank you for sharing. Yeah. And you know, sure, it's the, my pleasure. So, in in the episode before, yeah, I I, I spoke with uh, with Gina Riley about you know persons in in career transitions, and I, one of the things that you mentioned is that you can actually state curiosity as a strength, 
right? So is there any, you also spoke about uh, meta, meta skills. Is there any correlation or any uh-huh. other, other human aspects, with, you know, curiosity and integrity, for example? Uh, you know, what are some of the correlations based on your research with curiosity and other human aspects? Um, yeah, so we see in the in the research those that tend to exhibit curiosity um, are, and we see and if it's in, in a team setting for environment, there's higher levels of trust, mm-hmm. higher levels of collaboration. In my research, I saw a a, a ability to put. Um, openness into action that could support agility from an emotional, mental, and social standpoint. And I feel that what I'm saying is when we are able to activate those facets of curiosity, we're able to take in the cues around us that would signal to us that we need to pivot or adjust, whether that's in how I'm interacting with somebody or I've received data that indicates that we need to take a different turn in the market. Um, And fundamentally what I'm saying is it can provide us an opportunity um, to be more mindful about our cognitive biases, whether that's confirmation bias or framing bias or uh, sunk cost fallacy bias. So I think because those can get in the way of curiosity and, and, you know, we have over a hundred they can be you know, thoughts for us. So when we're able to remain open to the possibilities that also can help us with. Awesome. Thank you for that. And and so, the, you know, the, the next question I have for you, Dr. Harris-Meyer, I, I know you have worked in, in the tech space and you have built generation businesses from the ground floor, from multi-billion, and from multi-billion entities. Uh, now you partner and work with executives across diverse set of industries and sectors with technology as a focus area. Now we are in the digital economy and we're hearing a lot about AI and blockchain. Uh, where does curiosity fix, fit into this mix? And what's next? It's hmm. a great question. I think, you know, we're, I feel like we're constantly in a digital revolution. There's the speed of transformation that is really catalyzed by continuous advances in technology um, really keep it hard to keep up mm-hmm. with those advancements and what what that means and how that can really be of benefit to us. And I was just uh, actually working with um, senior execs at a life science uh, company, and they're really wanting their their next C-suite or those that are ready to enter the C-suite to have that really future forward, future leaning um, disposition, which requires 
uh, an ability to explore those different technologies and integrate it in a way that really aligns with both this business strategy, the strategy of the business, and also their talent strategy. So we really have to use technology as a mechanism that's not just about how does it how does it benefit us from a business standpoint, but also from a talent standpoint. Certainly now that we're in hybrid environments, um, there's aspects of technology that can enable us to have a potentially higher level of productivity but fundamentally i think we we need our curiosity to evaluate the landscape of technologies in a really 360 degree way and be thorough in our due diligence about which technologies we're bringing to companies how they're created because there is inherent bias or there is a bias in ai in machine learning um, you know, and it's fundamentally about that's coded and who's coding it. Yes. And I'm not saying it's intentional, but, you know, we, we clearly need a better way of making sure that everyone's represented in those technologies. And I think that's going to take quite a bit of curiosity of work on that horizon. Absolutely. So, you know, you mentioned this earlier, you know, with all of this, you know, rapid transformations that that is happening and, you know, us being exploring, experimenting and iterating based on what you mentioned, um, you know, one can get really anxious. And, we, are, you know, you have mentioned the link. Well, how, how can we, um, how might we? curtail that so that we get the the positive aspects the happiness the creativity the innovation aspect of it and not get too much on the anxious side because we know that's something especially in this dispensation we get caught <laughs> up with uh, we have enough things around us to to trigger that you know how can we better manage that when we're getting curious um, yeah, I, I think it's going to be a personal choice about how to manage that. Um, you know, for me, taking breaks is really important. Um, I think our, our hybrid work environment, you know, we're all now working with no boundaries, really, and all the time. And so um, breaks are really important. Exercise is really important. Having some kind of outlet maybe maybe you want to go meditate maybe you want to get outside um and I think the other thing is you know like how can you get methodical about it in a way that doesn't seem overwhelming because I know when we're trying to go for big changes especially if we're driving change at a company 
it can it can get really overwhelming because we we're holding a north star of like all this, this thing we're trying to get to and how are we possibly get it going to get there but if we can just break it down into key phases and focus on the phase that we're in staying present with the phase that we're in and navigating that and just making sure it's connecting to how we're laddering to that vision that can certainly be a way to make it more manageable um, certainly having having those around you uh, that can support you and collaborate if you can have mentors and sponsors that can be sounding boards for you it, it does come down to also you know who are you surrounding yourself by if you're surrounding yourself with people who are who are triggers for you yes. <laughs> they may not be the right people to be around and we and I'm not you can't escape them all because they're inevitably going to be those uh, with who you work with. And so um, it's also making sure you are able to offset those with people who energize you uh-huh. and who can be sounding boards for you. Um, and I think also what I'm seeing too that amps up the anxiety in our very Zoomified world is that we're running from meeting to meeting to meeting. Mm. And uh, then people are like, wow, I didn't show up well in that meeting or I'm not prepared or wow, I had no idea that this is the way it was going to go. And time and time again, when I'm coaching and we're very deliberate about creating the space for preparation then people are inevitably more confident in showing up in their meeting because they're like, I, I'm prepared. I got this. I did my homework. I can, I'll be able to pivot wherever this goes. Um, and, and so if you're feeling that way, my invitation is to you, to you is like start carving out the space for that intentional preparation. It will serve you so well. Wow. Very, very useful tips. Thank you so much for sharing those gems. Uh, you know, lovely. And I know we'll be implementing a lot of these immediately. That's, that's a beautiful <laughs> so. thing. And that's a beautiful <laughs> thing about curiosity. And, you know, one of the things that um, if we want to grow something, you know, my, my background is engineering and, you know, industrial and systems. And one of the things we learn is that, you know, you can't improve what you, you're not measuring or you can't manage what you're not measuring. And uh-huh. so especially when you're looking to build resilience in our operations, um, you know, and we want to grow curiosity. Should curiosity be our number one KPI? And how do we really measure curiosity? <laughs> yeah, that's great. Um, so there's, there's certainly um, uh, ways to measure curiosity, just how... how in- in terms of what's been used in the research, there are scales and inventories that you can use to measure those dimensions of curiosity. Um, I think that would be a wonderful project for a team to decide together what what an output of curiosity looks like. Does it look like we have taken the time to hear everybody's voice at the table and then, um, you know, somehow, you know, whoever's leading that project has synthesized and then indicated the direction that we can go 
is it um is it something connected to how we're evaluating the data those measurements um are we are we using the same playbook uh, from a previous project to this project? Is that really what we should be doing? So, um, you know, there's a way to, to use your curiosity and make sure that you're measuring the right things for that particular project. It's really easy to rely on past history or previous experience and, and bring that in. And we want your domain expertise. I think we also want an opportunity to have a clean slate and really look at what's in front of us. Um, And the reason I say that is there was research done by Spencer Stewart of 100 CEOs. And it was um, the experienced CEOs were really great um, when, when it was needed to be in kind of a very cost cutting operational efficiency mode. It was the rookie CEOs that outperformed the experienced CEOs when navigating and managing complexity and ambiguity. And one of the reasons is because rookie CEOs don't have a playbook. So mm-hmm. they were they were <clears throat> exploring, doing their due diligence, being very focused on what the playbook was for that specific company or that specific market. And they were two times successful when they were able to throw away that playbook and start with a a fresh playbook in their next CEO role. And so, Hmm. you know, I don't know if we want metrics really that say, okay, this, you demonstrated curiosity and it looked like this, or we really want to use our curiosity to make sure we're measuring the right things. Okay. Gotcha. Very, very insightful. And, um, you know, one of the things that, that came up, you know, in terms of, you know, who can use this, I, I remember in the post, one of the comments um, from Mary McDonnell Hockley, she said that curiosity is undoubtedly key to unlocking potential and future success. So the principles we have discussed so far. Is it the same for service or product organization across industries? I know you have worked in healthcare, um, in the tech field and other areas, I think education as well. Um, is it, does it change? Do we have to tweak things in how we deal with curiosity or is it project specific, um, industry specific? What has been your experience? Um, for me, you know, uh, we, all, all of those industries fundamentally have a human element. There are humans behind (laughs) making those services and products and organizations work. And since we are all fundamentally human and curiosity is part of us, I think the question is, how, you know, it's not if we should be curious in certain ways in those industry, but how can we bring our curiosity forward in a way that advances the work that we're really trying to do. And there are the same principles that really hold across those industries and similar to what 
what I've just spoken about. Um, so some of those industries are slow to change. So really holding on to the staff because it has, it provides a false sense of security and it's false sense of security because the risk is that they're not taking risks. And so they're going to get left behind even more or, you know, underperform as they'll keep changing. And what I'm saying is, you know, when we have such a high human element to any industry that we can help each other ourselves to bring our curiosity forward in a way that, again, aligns, that really helps to align our intention with our impact. And I think, you know, I assume positive of us do um, and that also can be really valuable in terms of opening ourselves up uh, to each other and to new perspectives and diverse perspectives that perhaps we have not considered before. Wow. So would you say, Dr. Horace Meyer, that uh, from where you sit, that that would be the number one mistake made today within organization as it relates to curiosity, holding back or not willing to take risk? Or is there another that you would would say is the number one mistake that you see over the last two years or so? Um, you know, I thoroughly support informed risk taking, and I know certain there are certain categories of failures. I come from the school that, yeah, we we want to be thoughtful in in terms of the kinds of risks that we take, which also goes back to the MVP model and going incrementally. I think that provides an informed risk taking path. Um, and it also ties to what I said in the very beginning that if we don't go and get new reference points, then we're not really going to know what to do. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so um, I think, you know, paralysis by analysis and inaction are probably the two most toxic things you could do right now. Yes. Given yes. what's going on. You know, um, my... Other guests, uh, two episodes before this, he, he mentioned, you know, go and ask a baker in Bulgaria what he is doing. Uh, just talk to him about what his work and what he's doing, and you might get insights into how you can improve your work in your industry, in your operations, um, you know, that we can get inspiration from the most unusual yeah. places. Yeah, (laughs) absolutely. A hundred percent. Yes. Yes. So, um, you know, is in terms of, um, you know, we're kind of wrapping up our discussion now, you know, is there any resources that are available for that can help COOs or C-suite in terms of their, their journey? to help their organizations to build curiosity? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a number of, um, you know, uh, resources around psych safety and, and curiosity. Um, and I think for the C-suite, it comes down to looking at, you know, companies that are really embracing curiosity 
and how are they doing it? And looking outside of your industry. So even, you know, we know in tech, for example, Google has a 20% rule where you, where an employee can spend 20% on a project that's really kind of dear to them. That's out. That's not specific to their role. Uh, Novartis has done a wonderful things. Microsoft has really embedded a growth mindset into their culture. Um, and so is there a website or, and, and look outside of, Oh, sorry. Is there a website that persons can go to and just see a list of companies that are being curious? Or um, yeah, I mean, you can see on my website I have articles and podcasts of folks that have have done this journey. Um, and but I, I do want to say one thing: when it comes to the C suite, it really matters what you're modeling. Um, because as we know, things cascade down and Spencer Harrison, who's a wonderful curiosity and creativity research out of INSEAD, he did studies um, with very senior leaders at organizations and he could actually, through his research, see a correlation between the ways in which the leader was curious and the direct impact it had on uh, on organizational strategy on that person's team and the ambidexterity of a company, meaning a company could do, was able to both capitalize and monetize their resources for today, as well as they were already at the fringes getting ready to be able to capitalize on those change changes in the future. And so, you know, my message to your COO audience is like, it really matters what you're modeling. That's such a profound um, statement. I mean, and it really, you know, if you think about it, it's something that can influence us so deeply. So we have to really ask ourselves that question and to ensure that we are modeling the right people because uh, whatever we are doing radiates throughout the organization and we want to have the right influences that encourage the kind of behaviors and actions that we want to see within our teams. So is there any myth about curiosity that you want to debunk, you know, um, Dr. Harsmeyer? <laughs> it didn't kill the cat. Yeah, it didn't kill the cat. Love it. <laughs> There's other things. There's other things killing that cat. <laughs> That's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to ask you to step into my shoes for a bit. Is there any question that you wanted me to ask today that I haven't asked you? Oh, um, I, I'm satisfied. If, if you are, I feel like we we covered a lot of territory. It's gonna. I really appreciate the forum to share my thinking and my perspective. And I really appreciate your questions. So thank right. you. So I, I will wrap up with one then um, that every guest I ask this question, that no, no one escapes it. I, I really believe that there is great power in the questions that you ask. I guess that's the curiosity in me. In your career, yeah. in your career, what's one question that you frequently use when you're working with teams to get the best outcomes what needs to be true oh wow right what needs to be true to get to x try that wow 
what has been your your that's so deep what what is some of the responses that you get you know you that that seems to tell me it seems to trigger the curiosity in persons right (laughs) (laughs) well it depends what we're talking about but if they're trying to you know get get to us get to a new way of behaving with each other or you know they're working towards a very ambitious goal then you know it's, it's stepping out of out of the frame of the constraints temporarily and saying or the perceived constraints or the or the just the the assumptions and preconceived notions and saying what what needs to be true to make this happen i love that wow i think telling this is always the best part <laughs> i get such great responses from our guests in addition to the great wisdom that is shared it was such a pleasure talking to you dr harsmeyer and you know you have shared so much of your wisdom with us today it was really energizing and i'm sure our listeners got great value from this discussion you know, so thank you again for coming. Great. <laughs> uh, of course, it's absolutely my pleasure. Thank you so much. And to you, our listeners, thank you for listening. I hope you enjoyed this and got some great insights. Share in the comments what you liked from this episode. And, you know, you can learn more about Dr. Alison Harsmeyer's work and access her published articles, podcasts, interviews, etc really cool website at www.drallisonh.com and I'll put the link in the resource section so you can just click on it and you get straight to her and I I really hope that everyone will be challenging the status quo with this information and I really want to hear about it Uh, you can reach out to me at tamar at tamaranelson.com or on LinkedIn at tamar-nelson if you'd like to be a guest or if you want to share any feedback or suggestions you may have just just send me a, an email i'd love to hear from you and please share please free to share this with persons who you think will be benefited by this conversation and please subscribe so you can hear more of what is to come on the coo's corner you can also leave a rating or review on Apple Podcasts. We'd really appreciate that. So please join us again for another information packed episode. Until next time, Dr. Alice Nose say, explore, experiment, evolve. And as we say in Jamaica, walk good. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs>